The Talking Football Podcast is brought to you in association with Luaf Press. Get 15% off all football titles with the code TALKINGFOOTBALL. You can also use the code UK15 for free UK shipping on orders over £15 and International30 for outside the UK for sales over £30. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 61 of the Talking Football Podcast with me, Derek Clark. Every week we try and bring you a top-class interview with some of the biggest characters involved in the game. This week I sat down and chatted to former Partick Thistle star and current Edinburgh City defender Conrad Balatoni. In another refreshingly honest interview, Conrad looks back on his career from coming through the ranks at Hearts, becoming a hero at the Jags, his unhappy spell at Kilmarnock, what he thinks of the plastic pitch, as well as his spells at Air Falkirk and Torquay. He also talks about his new venture as a financial advisor, what he thinks of the controversial decision to call the leagues, and a whole lot more. So sit back and enjoy the latest episodes of the Talking Football Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the, the, the Talking Football Podcast. I'm delighted to say we're joined this week by a Partick Thistle hero, recently at Edinburgh City, of course, Conrad Balatoni. Conrad, thank you very much for, for joining us. Thank you very much for having me on. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, um, looking forward to talking about your career, Conrad. First of all, before, before we do that, I mean, in terms of COVID and coronavirus and what have you, how is it affecting you and your, your working life at the moment? Uh, I've been quite fortunate, you know, with my job. Um, I'm not, I've not fooled myself, you know. People need advice more than ever, um, especially with the way that the world's going on just now and the markets are and stuff. So I've been quite busy over, over lockdown. I've just been able to do face-to-face meetings through Zoom, through Microsoft Teams, through FaceTime. So it's been good, but it t- kind of takes away the the whole thing about, you know, face-to-face advice. I, I want to get back and meet clients face-to-face relationship in front of people instead of over, you know, an iPad and a laptop. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, in terms of the career, of course, you were born in uh, 1991 down, down in Leeds. Did, did you come up to Scotland quite quite early on, Conrad? Yeah, so I was born down there. I lived there for about six or seven years. So my mum and my dad split when I was quite young. Yeah. And then my mum decided to move up to Scotland because she had a friend who gave her a job job opportunity, which she said she couldn't turn turn down. So she moved. We all moved up here, me and my two sisters and my mum, and we have stayed up here ever since. So majority of my family are based down in Leeds. So yeah. um, it's only really me, my mum, and my two sisters that are based up in Scotland. Yeah. Did you follow Leeds United at all as, as a youngster, or was was it Hearts that were your team? No, I, I was a big Leeds fan when I was young, um, growing up, and then when I moved up to Scotland, I became a Hearts fan, so I was like Leeds and Hearts, and then I joined Hearts, and then when you become a pro, for me anyway, I kind of stopped supporting teams because I thought, you know, I'm going to play for a number of different teams, so I'm always going to support the team that I play for. Yeah. I've I've got soft spots for team, i.e. Partick Thistle and Hearts, but, you know, apart from that... You know, I don't really support anyone. I wouldn't really go and be like wanting to see them do well. It's the same with Leeds now. I kind of fell out of love with them. Really? really go, I've never seen them for what I've not seen them in about twenty-five years or whatever it was. So, yeah. you know, I can't really justify saying that I'm a Leeds United fan when I've not <laughs> not watched them or not went to any of the the games in recent years. 
Yeah. Um, were you always, I guess, you, you, were you always playing football as, as, as a young boy growing up? Yeah, I loved it. Um, Mum used to tell me all the time that I was, every birthday was balloons and footballs and just used to kick about and played from as early as I can remember, to be honest. And it was literally, I still remember to this day, I mean, like every birthday, you know, when you're a kid and you, you make a birthday wish, it was always, I wish to become a footballer, I wish to become a footballer. And that was it. Like, I was just football daft. <laughs> And did you have any role models, any players that you wanted to be like? Uh, no, I didn't really have any role models. But I think as I got older and I started kind of like watching football, I started knowing more tactical stuff and tactical awareness. You know, you kind of look at the big players like Rio Ferdinand and John Terry, who were obviously incredible. And when I was at heart, you know, I was a big Stephen Presley fan. Even at the time, you know, Andy Webster was there. I was a season ticket holder. So... But uh, folk like that, you know, watching every week was was really good because it was, you know, they were they were great players for Hearts as well and for Scotland. Yeah, they were great defenders, of course, Conrad. That's where we know that you played. Did you want? To, did you did you play any other positions at all growing up, or was it always want to be a, a centre half? So yeah, so when I when I was young, I wanted to be a goalie, and I don't know why. <laughs> Same here. Uh, I remember, I used to what is it? I got picked for the trials with um, Leeds United and. I went up there and I was like, I mean, I knew I was good outfield, but I always wanted to just be a goalie. And I went up to outfield and I brought my goalie gloves. And I was like, I want to play in goal. And they're like, oh, uh, <laughs> it's not goalie coaching tonight. I was like, well, all right. But yeah. So even when I came up to Scotland, I was always wanting to be a goalie. And then I actually ended up playing. I remember this quite well. Like we were playing a game um, and I was always like to my manager, I was like, look, I really want to play in goal. He was like, look, Connor, if you can bring a clone of yourself that can play outfield, we'll put you in goal. And I says, well, that's not going to happen. So <laughs> they kept me outfield. I mean, I think I managed to play a couple of times in goals for my, my, boys, my, my boys' club. And then from then, I went inside for hearts. But I was always playing centre mid. So I was like, you know, I was head and shoulders above the majority of people in my age group um, without being big-headed. And, you know, I've luckily enough, got scouted for hearts. And I went in there as a centre mid. And I thought, yeah, I'm going to go in and do well at St. Med. And it was just a different ball game, you know, better players, better standards. Yeah. And I think because I was a, quite a big lad at that age, um, they kind of said to me, look, we want to try you in a centre-half position. Like, you know, you, we think you could do well there. So I said, well, actually, I'd rather play right, right mid than centre-half. But anyway, they put <laughs> me back down there. And I ended up playing. And kind of the rest is history. I just said, right, I'll, I'll happily play there. And... Probably fortunate for me that I stayed that, at that position because I don't think I was good enough to make it as a centre mid or as a right back or anything like that. Yeah. When you went into your hearts, um, you're you're just a youngster, of course. We we did you have to sort of clean boots and all that sort of stuff? Yes, we had a coach called Darren Murray who I couldn't speak highly enough of, and he was really big in the, the whole discipline and you know cleaning people's boots, doing all the the dirty jobs, yeah. you know, bringing the kit in for the kit man. Wash it. We we had to wash cones. We had to wash footballs. We had to do loads of things. And I mean, I always did. You know, that gave me a grounding because it gave me some discipline about you know working hard and not being too big headed about getting into you know full time football. And I always said, you know, nowadays I see youth players, you know, don't have to do anything. I always say, you know, probably one of the reasons why players don't have that kind of discipline anymore is that you know they get everything handed to them on a plate. And I think you know that for me that gave me a a really good ground and as it did with everyone not just for football but for general life that you have to work for you have to work for things to you know get rewards and that was and you know if you didn't do it right you know you came down hard on us and that was good 
you know, and I just think now with the what people call a snowflake society and that, you know, people worry about everything and, you know, you can't say, you know, or be hard on, you know, young kids. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, in terms of the, the senior players that were there at the time, did, did any of them sort of help you in, in particular at all? Um, we, senior players, who do we have? Yeah, we. I, I mean, I was there. I mean, he probably wasn't a senior, but like big Christoph Burial was enough. Well, he was playing, he was playing week in, week out. We had loads of players. We had Jose Congalves, you know, Larry Kingston, Mikey Stewart was all there. So there were big, big characters and good players at that club at the time. So you know, we we were looking at them like, oh Jesus, like you know, we've got to perform well if we even got to get a chance. Luckily for I think for a few of the boys that you know managed to play for the first team, the money troubles happened. You know, not not luckily because it was a horrendous thing to happen. A lot of players that probably gave them a stepping stone to get involved in the first team and get involved in the, the actually squad stuff because the numbers just depleted after a few years of being full time. Yeah, you went out on loan, of course, the first time to, to Partick in, in in 2010, and I guess it was just a, a great chance for you to sort of make your make your debut in, in senior football. Was it was it an opportunity you sort of grasped there, Conrad? Uh, so yeah, I was I was quite clever. Well, not clever, but I always had a, an inkling of saying, you know what, if I don't make it at Hearts, then I want to make it somewhere else. And the only way I'm going to be able to get in a, into another team is by going on loan and getting a getting a few games under my belt. And I was 19 at the time and, you know, Thistle came calling and I, you know, I went there and I grasped it with both hands, I think. And, you know, I always said to I look back at a lot of players that probably maybe had a lot better ability than me, but they maybe stayed at hearts because they wanted to try and, you know, break into the first team. And by the time they were maybe 21, 22, they'd maybe played, you know, 10, 20 games because they'd only been out alone maybe for six months of the, the year. Whereas at that time, I'd played maybe 100, 150 something close to that maybe, maybe, you know, in between that. And I always said, you know, at 19, 20, 21, if I've got that amount of first-team games under my belt, then it's going to hopefully give me a better opportunity to find a club if anything didn't, if, if it didn't work out at Hearts, which unfortunately it didn't, but I still, I played all them games and I had, you know, people contacting me at that time because I'd been playing week in, week out yeah. for a championship club and I was still young. So, you know, I signed back for this obviously at the end of that, but you know, there was a couple of clubs that were, were interested in me. Yeah. Do you ever look back at your time at Hearts and think that maybe if I, I just stuck it out, I, I, could, I could have made it there, or do you not do you not, do you not think like that? No, nah, I don't think so. I think, you know, if I was going to make it, I probably, I would have played uh, earlier than what, you know, I thought I had. Um, I mean, there was, when it was Travel as well, that was probably my best chance of playing. You know, I was part of the first team squad, I was travelling to all the games, I was on the bench a few times, you know, and they they, they rated me, and I knew that because they, they'd spoken to me about it, and you know, they told me what they wanted me to improve on and stuff like that. So, you know, I did think at that time I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna get an opportunity here, and I need to like take it. And then obviously Chaba got the sack, and Jim Jeffries came in. Yeah. And then it was you know, kind of was it Jim Jeffries or Paolo Sergio? I think it was Paolo Sergio. It was it was which, whichever way it happened, and I got put back on loan, and then. Uh, Whoever came in after that manager, I went back out on loan again, and I just knew from then that I wasn't going to be. It was Jim Jeffries that pretty much told me I wasn't going to be yeah. um, involved, even though I, you know, I played a lot of games, I played well, and they just says I'm not for them, which is fair enough. And I says, well, at least I've got games on my belt now, and I can go out and play week in week out, hopefully at another club. 
What was Chabba Laszlo like as a coach? Did, did you enjoy, I guess, being in and around, around the first team, like you're saying, being coached by him? I, I thought he was good. He was a funny character. Um, <laughs> it was him and his assistant manager, Werner Berger. He was a strange, strange guy, but they were both, they were both great. I mean, they were obviously foreign. Um, and obviously me being part Austrian-Hungarian, you know, I think they, they realised that. And I don't know if that maybe took, made them take a liking to me or whatever it was. But yeah, they, um, they were good to me. You know, they were, they were funny. They had different kind of, they had a different kind of method of training. They did they had different styles of play and stuff like that to a natural Scottish manager, which was good to learn. You know, I always said, you know, I think if you learn from a foreign manager, it's really good because they bring in a different type of, kind of training regime, trying to uh, match day regime, you know, philosophy, etc. So, you know, it was good for young players like myself coming in and learning off someone that had been doing well. Yeah. Do you have any, have, uh, any dealings with, with Romanov or anything like that? Did you, did you ever encounter any, any dealings with him? Or, I think his son was over for quite a, a period of time, wasn't he? Nah, so there was a guy called Tino who pretty much was Romanov's kind of puppet. So he used to come out and do everything. I remember... He used to be all, he used to get abused because he was a wee small guy and all the players just used to absolutely batter him, batter him. He was kind of like an interpreter as well. He was a, he was a, he was a nice guy, but I mean he just got absolutely annihilated by the boys and yeah. he was kind of the one that kind of dealt with everything. And if there was any problems or if there was anything like talking about contract negotiations, like he was the one. So the only time I've seen Romanov, I think, was we played. I think we played Kilmarnock in an under 19s game, and it was like coming up. It was like round about the year I was up for my contract to be finished yeah and I think he came to watch and you know a few of the boys had quite good games myself included and the next thing we know you know we've been offered new contracts so I think he was kind of coming there to look at the young players and then offering them contracts because at that time he was giving boys four or five year contracts you know so he was really quite wanting to emphasize hearts and bringing through youth to make money and make profit yeah so he wanted to make sure that young boys had, were tied up on long-term deals in case he you know they did well I just don't think it kind of works for for Hearts. Yeah, uh, your debut for Thistle was it was it against Wraith Rovers? You came on, is that right? I couldn't even tell you. <laughs> I couldn't even tell you. I, you know, I, I try and think about this and try and look back on like my games. I couldn't remember my debut. <laughs> don't know what happened. Don't know what the score was. I generally don't know. I don't know why. I just can't remember. <laughs> you played. Was it Ian McCall that was the manager of Thistle at the time? Yeah, so he was a manager. So I was um, quite pally with Neil McCann, who yeah. in turn was really friendly with Jackie McNamara, yeah. who was in turn quite well respected by Ian McCall for obvious reasons, you know. Yeah. So it was it was Neil McCann that pretty much spoke to Jackie about me and then spoke to Ian McCall, who Jackie spoke to Ian McCall. And, you know, I came in for a couple of training sessions and played a game against Celtic and then Next thing I know, you know, they wanted to sign me on a six-month loan, so I was I was ecstatic, you know, because uh, there were good players in that squad, you know, Jackie, Simon Donnelly, yeah, um, Liam Buchanan, and stuff like Gary Hark. Uh, sorry, Gary Harkins wasn't there, but um, you know, good good players that had been playing at that level for a number of years that you know I could really learn from and you know yeah. mingle in with. Uh, like so, Alan Archibald, of course, was there as a player before he was a manager as well. Did did did, did he help you when when you played alongside him? Yeah, so Archie was great. You know, he was, I've got none but respect for Archie as well. You know, he's, he taught me a lot as a player, you know, helped me out massively. Um, great captain, great guy. And um, 
he he was a guy he was a focal point you know he was a, he was a leader of our team and you know you looked up to him and you, you listened to him because at my age you know being 19 you know I've never shied away from the fact that at that age you know I did make mistakes and I did you know I did probably do things that I wouldn't do now but that was all part of the whole process and you know it's probably made me a player that I was you know in the years to come yeah. so he was always you know reassuring me and you know helping me if I did make a mistake and you know, giving me pointers and stuff like that. And, you know, because I was young, you know, I was only 19, I still wasn't physically developed. And for a centre-half to play against big lads as a striker, you know, there was games where I found it, it quite tough. Yeah. But, you know, I always knew that Archie had my back because he was such a big guy and he was always able to kind of go in for the the challenges with the bigger players and, you know, yeah. I'd just be sleeping up. So it was, it was a good kind of partnership I thought we had as well. Yeah, Ian Maxwell, of course, was there at the time as well. Of course, now the top man in the SFA. Was he always into that sort of stuff when he was a player? Yeah, so I think I think he was he was a great guy. He was really funny, and you know, I never would have thought he would have went to where he's gone now, been playing. To be honest, but you know, it's credit to himself. I still remember to this day, Ian McCall left Jackie McNamara, took the job, and Jackie says, "Look." I'm not going to have you as my assistant, but I still want you to be involved in the club. So I want you to go and go upstairs. And I think the board had already spoken to him about creating a role for him. And, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't sure because I, I remember speaking to him saying, look, what's your thoughts? He went, I still want to be involved in football. I still want to be an assistant manager or, or a manager. I says, I says, well, you know, why don't you give it a bash or whatever it was. And, you know, he took it and he did really well for the club. You know, I think where, from where the club was when I first joined to where it was when he left was incredible and you know it's yeah testament to him and what he did to the club outside of the football and you know he's he's took his job into the next level now with the with the SFA and you know credit to him you know he's kept going and going and you know you can't I mean I know a lot of people probably bad him because of what's happened throughout the whole pandemic and what's a lot of people have got vendettas against the SFA but at the same time you know he's only got to do what he can do yeah yeah, absolutely. Uh, you mentioned there Jackie McNamara and, of course, the Archie as well. That they both became managers of the club. Was it difficult for the players to sort of uh, transition from being being a teammate to them being their boss? Uh, I don't know. Like Jackie was always just kind of like Jackie was a he's really quiet. You know, he's not out there, but he's he's quite witty and he's quite funny. So you know, he was able to take a step back quite quite easy and just yeah. relax a little bit but boys still got on well with him I think you know Jackie McNamara oh, respects from everyone you know yeah. I don't think there's anyone that doesn't respect what he's done in the game so if you, you've got a problem with that then you know you're just deluded so <laughs> he um, you know he took the step back Simon Donnelly was obviously his assistant and he was still you know mingling in with the boys and it was great and then they obviously went and got the move which was well deserved to Dundee United and then Archie you know took over the reins and he probably thought it wasn't the right time for him. I still remember, you know, he probably, he was saying, you know, like, I don't know if I'm ready for this, but, you know, we're just going to give it our best shot, which is what he did. But, you know, I think he grew into the role as the months came by. And obviously bringing in Scotty Patterson was, yeah, was a credit to him because, you know, they worked well together. Scotty had good ideas and Scotty helped them in the whole, you know, become, kind of taking a step back because he was able to get in with the boys like all assistant managers do. So it was a, um, it, it it was weird at the time because you know it was going from a player that you're playing you know alongside every other week yeah. to being a manager who was giving you instructions on the sideline. But at the same time, 
everyone had respect for him because he was a thistle legend. Yeah. When you, you don't you don't mess with him, you know he's a he's a big guy. He's a he's a good guy, and everyone wanted him to do well because we knew that there was talk of you know managers coming in who we thought we do not want them in here. Like we didn't want certain managers that would be talented to the job to come in because we've heard horror horror stories, and that's what happens in football. Players speak, and you know we wanted to make sure that he got the job because we knew he would have just kept the continuity going. So yeah. you know we were ecstatic when he'd actually got the job officially. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, another led uh, legend was of course Chris Doolan at, at the club. How good was he to play alongside uh, Conrad? He was great. I mean, he was probably the most naturally gifted goal scorer I've played with. Yeah. Um, he his his first touch was phenom- phenomenal. Phenomenal. Whatever the word is. Hi. It was incredible. You know, he could make space. I mean, I've always said duels. I think he would agree with this. You know, he was, he was never the quickest. He was never the tallest. But he always managed to get himself in. He was always managed to get in space um, throughout a game. Sorry, that's my wee boy just yeah, behind me. Cool. You'll see him pop it up. Um, he, was, he, he was always able to get into space. Um, in the box and I think you know his goal scoring record speaks for itself and to top it off you know he's another guy who is you know a great great guy and he deserves nothing but success and what comes with him I know he's doing a bit of coaching just now so you know hopefully his business takes off and he continues his career and gets more more goals than what he's already got just now Yeah definitely Um, the 2012-2013 season brilliant season for the club and for you personally as well how good how how enjoyable was that that season to play in? It was great, you know. I, I remember it was tough for me at first because I unfortunately got a booking at the end of the season before against Hamilton, and I didn't realise that it took me over the threshold to miss the first two games. So I thought, oh no, and I knew the squad that we were putting together that we were going to be, you know, up there or thereabouts. And I was getting to the point where I go downstairs and ask, that is okay. Um, sorry, <laughs> and I, and I, I knew that we were going to be you know challenging, and because I was missing the first two games, you know I was, I knew that if the boys did well, I wouldn't be able to you know get myself in a squad or the team. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there he is. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and then you know that I was kind of proved right that you know they went on. I think it was like a nine-game unbeaten win, and I, I was just sat on the bench for the majority of games as soon as I was back um, from suspension. And then I managed to get a, a chance against Calvin Beath and I managed to get myself involved and I played well and then literally I, I, I played every game part. I played literally every game from then. Yeah. But, you know, it was tough because I thought, you know, we're going to go win the league and I'm not going to be a player. I'm going to be a bit part player here because Aaron Muirhead and Archie obviously were the first choice in a half at the beginning. So, yeah. you know, I had to really bide my time and work and work hard for when I, when I got into the into the position so you know I look back and thinking it was um, it, it was a great year and you know I can't kind of it's the best football memory I've got yeah that way. yeah absolutely only only maybe a tinge of disappointment was that that Challenge Cup final but I guess you didn't put your hand up to hit a penalty corner was it just one of those ones where you, you were next up and you had to hit one well I I still stand by this I, I, if you if you ever watches this you'll probably know him um, He'll probably have something to say, but I, I'm a centre half, right? So I said to the boys, "Look, like I'll take one, but I'm no like I'm not going to put myself forward because I think there's better players to take a penalty and a shootout. So you know, I'll go last or I'll go you know second last, whatever it is." And then 
we had, I remember because I said this to them like a few weeks later, you know, called them out on it as, as a bit of banner. We had, I think it was um, Christy Elliott, and I don't know if James Cregan as well, I'm not too sure, but I know it was Christy Elliott definitely, who is, was basically playing as a striker at the time, or a winger, yeah. and they didn't step up, and I says, you know, you've made me, you, you made us lose that because you never, you're a striker, and you made a centre-half take a penalty before you, so uh, they weren't too happy, it was all, all tongue-in-cheek and that, but it was, um, it was bitterly disappointing, but at the same time, you know, credit to Queen of South, they had a great season that year as well, and you know, they, they had a championship squad in, in League One, so we can't actually complain because I always am a firm believer in you know things happen for a reason. I think that if we didn't, if maybe we won that game, we might not have beaten Morton on the Wednesday because you know we might have been out celebrating or whatever it was. It's just one of these things that I think things happen, and you know, it just kind of confirms that with me. Like it just it was a it was a, it was a bit of disappointing day. I mean. Playing it was horrendous. Missing the penalty was horrendous. But at the same time, the bigger picture was the league, and you know we managed to get that over the line. Yeah, and of course, I mean it was a great season for yourself, and the Thistle fans loved you as well. They had a song for you and all that. See when they're singing that, Conrad, are you, I mean, are you, are you just focusing on the game, or can or can you hear it going on in the background? Yeah, so you can hear it on the background. It depends when it's sung and when you know yeah. it's um, when it's going. But I always have a wee smile because it, it makes you laugh. You know, like I'm just like. <laughs> A, a normal lad, you know, playing football and people are singing your name and making up a song about you, and I'm just like, how is that even happening? But you know, <laughs> it, it's great, and it's it's great that at that year, because I'd maybe had a couple of not 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 horrendous but not amazing years before that one loan, you know, which is what I kind of come back to saying that I was learning, I was still learning the game, going from a youth football to you know, first-team football was different, so I did make mistakes. I think a lot of fans maybe didn't take to me as well as what I would have liked, but I think that season, you know, I, I kind of came to my own. I was a little bit more experienced, and, you know, I got a lot of trust put in me. I was kind of like, I wouldn't classify myself as a main man, but I was probably one of the players that played the most games yeah. in that back line, and I played consecutively every every week um, when I got back. So, you know, I was quite a focal point as well at that time. I think, you know, the fans kind of maybe I made a lot of people change their mind about me that year and hopefully you know they they still see the benefit that I I put to that team yeah um when you went up into the into the top flight then did you notice a, a, a an increase in the standard and that sort of thing when when you were playing in it yeah absolutely I mean you're going against with no disrespect you know boys that are playing week in week out um some players we're part-time so you know they've got a job and then you're going up against the likes of David Goodwill like Scotland internationalists you know other boys in Scotland um, at that time I'm trying to think like Chris Commons you know stuff like Joe Ledley you know all them players you know we are massive massive players big players big characters and he you know you can see a difference right away but at the same time we, we had to step up we always had ability and we just needed someone to you know believe in us and we we worked hard to get where we were and we weren't going to let anyone kind of stop us from show, uh, showcasing our talents on the big stage. You know, I think we did that. Yeah, you finished 10th and then 8th, of course, in, in your two seasons up there. So for Partick Thistle to, to achieve those finishes, I mean, it's, it's no mean feat. Yeah, I mean, I think the first year, as much as we were kind of lingering about the relegation zone, I said this quite a lot, I never thought we were going to be relegated. Yeah. 
I think you know we were a good football inside. We just lacked that clinical edge in the final third, and I think you know we we adapted our game as well, kind of as we as we got used to the, the standard of the league because you know we, we used to play teams off the park in in the championship, coming up against better teams. You know we weren't able to do that all the time, so we managed to you know keep ourselves ticking over, um, keeping ourselves in the game. You know being a lot more solid probably. You know, we did have bad results. You know, there's no getting away from the fact that that did happen. But we, you know, we I think we held our own against the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, did you enjoy playing against the likes like you mentioned there, Celtic going to Parkhead and all that? Did you sort of that that sort of inspire lift your game somewhat when 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 you're playing against these teams? Yeah, I mean, you're playing against teams like you know Morton, um, Airdrie, who else yeah. having that, um, Livingston, and then you're going from then grounds. You know, good grounds, but. You're going to somewhere like Parkhead, Celtic Park, and you know Tyne Castle, Easter Road. It's just a different kettle of fish, you know, playing playing there. And it was it's everyone's kind of dream to play at the highest level, and you can, you know, to me that was the highest I played at. So you know, I took it with both hands, and you know, I, it's something no one will ever be able to take away from me. Yeah, definitely. When you decided to leave Thistle, then was was that? Uh, did you want to leave? Did you want to sort of pursue a, a, a different challenge, Conrad? I was always wanting to go abroad. That was like I've made no, I've, I've made no kind of. Um, I've always kept that out in the open. You know that I, that was my ambition. I wanted to go learn a different culture, learn a different style of play, and and, and I thought at the time when I left Thistle, you know, I played quite a lot of games in the Premier League. I think I played consecutively every every week, pretty much. You know, average about thirty to thirty-five games a season, which was you know was good for my first couple of years. And with it us finishing eighth in the second year, I thought you know I've done well. I've done it, and then at the same time, you know, we had players in our team who were on a lot more money than what I was on in my position, and I just thought at the time I probably needed to move somewhere to kind of get the value that I thought I brought to the team. I, I never thought I should be on thousands of pounds a week, but I thought I would deserve a little bit more than what I was on for what, what I was bringing to the squad and to the team. So it got to the point where I spoke to the manager, and I just says to him. Look, I think maybe it's best if I leave. And he says, "Yeah, like we want to keep you, but we just can't offer you the money that you would probably want." And I said, "Look, that's fine. I want to go abroad." And he says, "Look, you'll go with our blessings. Just are you going to sign for anyone in Scotland?" And I says, "I said at the time, my plan wasn't to sign for anyone in Scotland." And I says, "No, I says I'm either going to go down to England or I'm going to go abroad." And that was my two options that I wanted to do. And then months passed, weeks passed, and nothing happened. And then you know, I ended up signing for Kelly. Yeah, you mentioned uh, nothing happened in, in terms of going abroad. Did you sort of just kill off that idea and, and decide to, to stay in Scotland? Was that something you always sort of harboured ambitions to, to play abroad? Yeah, I, I mean, to this day, I still kind of regret not getting a chance. Um, you know, I had a couple of opportunities maybe to go over to Iceland and stuff like that, but at that time, I just thought I wanted to go somewhere a little bit better with a little bit more. There's no disrespect to Iceland, you know. I just I wanted to try something a bit different. I wanted to get like a nice hot culture, um, somewhere nice, you know. I remember I had an opportunity. I went through to Glasgow with my agent to meet a couple of agents who were dealing for a club in Greece. Yeah. After I left United, I think it was, and we we agreed everything. We spoke about contracts. We spoke about everything, and this was at the time when my partner was pregnant. So we were literally about to, you know, we'd agreed everything. He was literally about, about to be born in the next couple of weeks. So I said to the guys, I said, look, my partner's pregnant. 
she's due in a couple of weeks. Can I come out when he's born? I'll do the medical, I'll sign the paperwork, and then I'll come back and I'll bring everything over. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine, we'll let the club know. And we're like, right, in the meantime, get the contract sent over to us and we'll have a look at it and we'll make any amendments if we need to. And then, you know, so we went away thinking, oh, brilliant, you know, it was good money, you know, it was in a hot country, somewhere that I'd want. It was in the Super League as well, so it was a, it was a top club. Um, and I thought, well, this is um, th- this is really good, you know. Yeah. And then weeks passed, and I thought, I said, so I was like to Adrian, I was like, well, where's the contract? And he was like, oh, like, I messaged him and said it's, they're getting it sent over, they're just signing on a striker, and then they're going to deal with you. So I was like, right, fair enough. The wee man was born, I was like, look, what's going on now? Like, he's born, I can come out, you know. And then, like, a couple of weeks later, like, we just stopped hearing from them. We couldn't get in touch with them. And I thought, this is it's so odd. So, basically, it just went from basically being a, a deal guaranteed. Yeah. Or a, a deal being um, agreed in principle to not having anything. And it kind of, like, set us up back, like, three or four weeks. Yeah. So, that was it. And then there was another time that when I was at um, in air as well during the season, I, um, <laughs> I got an offer made for me from a South African team. Wow. This was when the time my partner was obviously pregnant at the time as well. So I said to her, look, like, I could go because it was good money. But she basically says, no, like you're not going. I said, right, fair enough. So she put the brakes on that because <laughs> understandable, you know, it's like a 13, 14 hour flight from, from us to there. So if anything happened to her in the, during the pregnancy, I was never anywhere close. And yeah. I was obviously leaving her and him kind of to deal with it themselves and stuff like that. and she wasn't wanting to do that so you know, I, just, I stayed I phoned him a call I just said look just reject, can you reject the offer please I don't, I don't want to go he says that's fine so you went to Kelly then um, Gary, was it Gary Locke was there, the manager at the time is that, is, is that right? yeah Gary Locke was the manager at the time so I went in I think it was September international break and I did a week's training and then at the end of that week I'd signed a short term deal until December and then Four weeks into that, I played every. I think I started my first game against Hearts. You know, building. I hadn't had a pre-season, so I was unfit. I had to build my fitness up by playing games, and then I ended up playing. I think every game from then until the playoffs, and I ended up signing a new deal, like four games into my existing deal, yeah. which you know was really good for me, and I was really pleased. Yeah, uh, Gary Locke, of course, left the club, and then. Lee Clark came in, um, a sort of polarising figure. I've interviewed guys before that just can't stick him, but what was he like? He was, look, he, he was all right. He was a bit odd. I mean, yeah. I, had, I had a couple of really strange training ideas, you know. For instance, like, he, want, he had this guy in, um, he was like a motivational speaker. Yeah. And I remember, like, he, from what we heard, was that basically this guy was really important. Uh, basically, Lee Clark made decisions based on his recommendations. So this guy would say to Lee Clark, you need to train these boys at three o'clock because it gets them into their mind that if they start training at three, then they'll perform at three on a Saturday because they're used to it in the yeah. in the mind and body. It was just it was just it just ruined it because boys aren't on a lot of money in Scotland and boys are kind of partners and stuff like that, families are Kind of, what's the word? They're like reliant on their parents, like the the boys coming home in the afternoon to pick up the kids and stuff, and look after the kids on a Wednesday when the partner works, and you know that all changed. And I mean, I don't get me wrong, like I'm not, I wasn't against change, yeah. But at the same time, I just thought it's it would be okay if you're on, you know, six, seven, eight grand a week, 
and you're doing that. But yeah. when you're on, you can pay for more childcare costs and all that stuff. It's maybe not the best thing to do. Yeah. And then you know this. So this he had things like you know I remember before a game I think it was we were we were up in a up in the changing room doing some mad dance like <laughs> some mad thing like like some screaming stuff and that and it was like the physio Alex McDonald that was taking it but you know it was it was just, it was mental and I was just thought what the hell's going on here like, I do not need to do some form of dance to get myself up for pain and it was just I it was and then I, I think what ultimately led to mine and his relationship breaking down was I was very unhappy at Kilmarnock. I was unhappy with the travelling and I was unhappy with the position that we were in. Yeah. I was unhappy with just with a lot of things there. And I said to, I probably said to an agent at the time, look, I said, I'm not happy. I'm going to see it to the end of the year and I'm going to try and get away. So if you hear of anything, you just you know keep me in mind. Yeah. And apparently, I think it got back to him. And at that time, you know, I was obviously going to deny it to the hill. So I denied it, saying... Oh no! Like I'm happy here, and I, I, you know, don't get me wrong. I was going to be earning good money the year after, so you know, I was quite happy to stick it out and see how the change went if we stayed up and stuff like that. So I was quite chilled. At the same time, like the travel was getting to me. It was a long time, you know, training at three o'clock. I wasn't getting back back until like seven, eight o'clock at night because of the traffic. So it was a bit of a killer. But and then I think what ultimately ended our mine and Lee Clark's relationship was. Um, I obviously hadn't had a pre-season, so I was running on empty by the last few games. And I think, you know, I still remember to this day, we played in Venice away, and I, I had a bit of a beast, and I, I got substituted, and now I was knackered. I mean, physically, mentally, I was drained. And I don't think people realise that. You know, people never really... The manager, the assistant manager, never came to me and says, do you know what, Connor, like, you've bought a game. You know, you maybe need to take three or four days off, recharge your batteries and come back. And I probably would have, you know, benefited from that massively. But I had, you know, I had to play, I trained. And I just need, I just wanted to keep continuing doing that. And then Lee McCulloch pulled me. And he had a bit of a go at me after the Inverness game. And I pulled him, I says, look, I says, we're in the playoff spot. I says, you don't need to, like, get all antsy. I says, like, I understand we're not being good enough. I've not been good enough. And I'm running on empty. I'm absolutely knackered. And then I think, you know, that just kind of put the nail on the coffin where Lee Clark is at. Because from then on, like pretty much, I never, yeah. I didn't play in the in the playoff game. At the same time, my life and misery, and unfortunately, yeah. never worked for them. So it's something I can get over them. Yeah. Uh, in terms of in terms of personnel that was there at Command at the time, what 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 was the players like when uh, Julian Fobia turned up? Because I mean, he played for Real Madrid and all that, didn't he? Back back in the day. I didn't even know who he was, to be honest. <laughs> 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 it's one of them ones. It was one of them. When you look at you, you, he comes in the change room. Someone tells me who he is, and I'm like, right, let's go on Wikipedia see who he's played at, and that's it. And it was like, all right, fair enough, you know, he's decent. But at that time, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. I mean, I, I got on well with Julian. Like me and him were, we actually got on really well. And I still sometimes speak to him now, um, not not very often, but every now and again. And I always thought, why is a guy that's played for Real Madrid, West Ham, coming and playing Kilmarnock on an astroturf pitch? I was like. What is going on here? I says he's either bankrupt and he needs some money, or he's just he just loves football that much that he wants to play. Yeah. And I thought there's there's something no right here. Like it's really strange. Yeah. And I just thought, why why is he doing this? But you know, he, he did well. I think he was a bit like myself. You know, he came in, he hadn't played in a lot of yeah. in a few months, and he was unfit, and he wasn't match fitness. And I think 
you know, we just if if he was a match fit Julian Fulmer, he maybe have maybe been able to play better. And I also think maybe he was thinking that he could come in there, do well, and maybe get a move to a bigger club, which ultimately he could have done. But you know, I just don't think um, where we were in the league suited him. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned the Astro Tough pitch. What was that like to play on? Horrendous. <laughs> horrendous. Hated it. It was just horrendous. Like your body was just aching for like two or three days after it. And it was luckily you know they've changed it now, and I think it's a lot better. But at the time I was there, it was so bad that. You actually, you played better away from home than you did at home. Yeah. Because it was better pictures away from home. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's a contentious issue. Isn't the old, old Astro Tough pitches that the clubs have got. I think Livingston looks a particularly bad one, but must be must be hard for players when when you're playing on that, and then you'd have been training on it as well. So there's no real let up from it, is there? Yeah, I mean, I've I say a lot. I say to everyone kind of I speak to about Astro Tough and grass is that my body is a lot sore now than what it would be if I played on grass. I know that for a fact because the first, you know, two or three years that I played, I was always training on the grass. I played on grass. Very rarely did we uh, train on AstroTurf. So, you know, from a certain stage, a lot of time we start training on AstroTurf. We start training and playing on AstroTurf. And it's just worn and torn in my body. Yeah. And it's just... You know, it's so, and I always say, you know, like I play on I play on AstroTurf, where I'm saying that my body takes about two or three days to recover on AstroTurf, and it's me, you know, I'm back to the normal on Monday if it's grass, and that's the difference. The recovery stages are a lot different with AstroTurf and grass, and yeah, it's just um, it's just bone dry as well. You just can't play football on it, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, yeah, it's um. It's not the best. Um, you joined Dare United, of course, in, in 2016. Did you get a, a bit of stick for, for joining them from, from Kilmarnock? No, I, I didn't actually. So it was quite, quite, it was quite funny. So that was, I joined there um, because it was when Lee Clark was trying to punish me by, for staying at Kilmarnock without taking a, a payoff and just leaving for nothing. And it got to the point, I think it was like end of, I, I went down, I was about to sign for Mansfield down in League Two, I think at the time. And I was going to go on loan. And I was quite happy with that, you know. But it fell through. They had an injury to a striker like two or three days after I'd been down uh, training and playing the game for them. And it kind of changed their budget. So they had to go in and bring in another striker. So it was a bit of a shame. But uh, United phoned me like at the very beginning of the season. And says, look, like, we want to do this. So this is what we can offer you. And I said, it was, you know, see for part-time, it was incredible money. Like, incredible money. And I thought, do you know what? Like, I don't want to go part time because I've just been, I've just been in the Premier League. But months came, weeks came, and you know, I wasn't really getting anywhere, and there was no really clubs showing an interest. So I actually, I ended up signing a payoff agreement with Kilmarnock at the end of the August, I think it was at the end of the transfer window. And I just said to myself, right, I'll wait a couple of weeks to see what happens, and then, you know, I knew Air was there, so I, you know, they, they offered me that. I said, you know, what? I've got nothing else. I need to go. So I went in and signed part-time, you know, it was all right. And then, but to be fair, I hit the ground running and I never had any abuse. I actually thought, you know, I did quite well for Air considering, you know, I thought the squad that we had wasn't, wasn't championship standard at that time. Yeah. And I think looking back and I think everyone kind of, everyone realises that. And I think, um, you know, 
the manager's plans was to stay in the league and then go full time and really make a push for it. And I was hoping that we, you know, we would have done that because I, I, he would have kept me on it. We were forced to that for that. Just a shame because kind of that, that's kind of when I knew that my career was probably filtering out and I thought I probably need to start thinking about the bigger picture here. So, yeah, so I left there and then obviously went full foot. Yeah. Um, a young Scott McKenna, of course, played at Air, Air United at the time. Could you tell he had to add potential back then, Connor, that he, he could go on and play for Scotland? I'll be honest. Like um, Scott came in, I thought, I thought, who is this guy? You know, um, great, great guy, great guy. You know, and I think a few times I thought, oh, this guy just needs to relax a little bit. You know, like because there was times I thought, you know, he defends. First of all, first and foremost, he's a defender, and that's what he is. You know, he's a he's a he's a good defender, but he's actually got he's good on the ball as well if he wants to be. And I always said to him, look, I says relax and like you know have confidence in your ability like take time on the ball take make some passes don't just you know do what you've been doing and just kick it anyway you see like have a bit about you try and do that and you know fair play to that I never if I'm being honest I never thought he would have been at the level where he is now playing for Scotland you know Catalan in Scotland so fair play but at the same time you know it just goes to show you that you know he's dedicated himself you know he worked hard you know he went he actually got sent home from there you know, we got sent off against Hibs in the Scottish Cup. And then I think after that, the manager said to him, like, go back. Um, like, it's fine, we don't, we don't need you back here. Yeah. So he actually got kind of sent back from A United. We were yeah. bottom of the championship at the time. So it just goes to show you, just because you don't have a, a good loan move or whatever it is, you can still have a good career. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So fair, fair play to the lad, you know what I mean? Like, I still speak to him if I see him out and about and stuff like that. Um, See him at the PFA Player of the Year Awards last year, so I spoke to him then. And even he thinks, you know, you know, he he understands, you know, he's you know, what he's done and how how lucky, well, not lucky, but you know how he's how he's um, performed to get to the level where he's, you know, he's he's had to work hard at it. Yeah, two short spells. You mentioned that you went to Falkirk and then you went down to Torquay for for a little bit. Did did you enjoy down there for about six months? Is that right down there? Um, Joe, lovely, lovely little place. I would more than happily go back with the family for a wee trip down there. Great, great, um, great wee place. Made a lot of friends down there. Still speak to this day. Um, a couple of really good lads who, you know, are very funny. And, you know, I, I got on really, really well with them. Kind of made my trip a little bit easier. It was tough. It was difficult because the wee man was still young. I think he was only maybe six months old at the time. So leaving him and my partner by themselves up in Scotland was difficult. It wasn't great because at that time, you know, I was living in a hotel. So I got put in a hotel. I didn't have any means of cooking a meal. didn't have any means of, you know, getting any decent kind of dietary requirements in because I couldn't cook myself anything. Yeah. So it was difficult in the position at the football club and they were, they were ran like an absolute shambles. Yeah. Um, the club wasn't great. I went down there thinking, you know, I could do well, and it just kind of never worked out. You know, I played a lot. I played, I think it was, I only missed one game. And, I, you know, the results actually did pick up when I got down there, but I just don't think we had the squad or the manager that was going to be able to get us out of that. And I still think, you know, as harsh as this might sound, I think if there was a different manager involved, an assistant manager would maybe be able to get out of it. Yeah. That leads on to, of course, uh, Edinburgh City. Uh, you joined in, in June 2018. How did that move all come about? Was it James McDonough? Was that, that from the sort of Falkirk connections there? Yeah, so James knew me from 
playing at Hearts, so he was in yeah. the 19s head manager, so we played against each other a lot. He was also the assistant manager at Falkirk. And it was actually funny. So I kind of came back from Torquay and I said to my, my partner, Anna, I says, look, I says, I think I'm just going to go part-time and, you know, start a career for myself. So anyway, so I, I actually was out in a nightclub. I was on a night out with a few of my mates. And James McDonough, Yogi Hughes, Gary Locke, and the, the nightclub I was in, I, I went and spoke to them because I knew, I knew them all. And James was like, oh, what are you getting up to? And I says, oh, I says, I think I'm going part-time. And I just seen his eyes like lit, lit up. And he was just like, oh, he was like, Do you, would you come Would you come to us? And I went, I went, look, I went, you know, give me a call and give me an offer and I'll, you know, I'll consider it because you know, I've got to make sure it's right for me and my family. He said, yeah, yeah. So and literally, you know, I got a call, I spoke to them, negotiated a little bit and signed a deal that I was comfortable with signing. And, you know, kind of, lo and behold, I've stayed there and I've loved every, every minute of it. And, you know, I've, I've kind of, Really enjoyed the boys, great manager, and hopefully you know we can have a successful season this year. Yeah, yeah. I went down and watched your your game because uh, I stayed in Warrington, so we went down and watched your, your game against uh, Connors Key. What what was uh, it like to play and going all, all the way down there? Cause it's a pretty crazy competition, that isn't it? We need to go to like Wales that, and all that sort of stuff. I thought I was going down for a game of football, but I didn't realise it went uh, went into a rugby game. So <laughs> uh, it was different. It was. It was gotten because, you know, it was the kind of the same, you know, we could have got to the final, part-time team getting to the final would have been incredible. Yeah. You know, it would have been really good for the club and really good for the boys because, you know, you don't go, a part-time team, you don't really get to many finals. Yeah. So, it, 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 was, it was nice to get there, but um, the trip down was, it was long, it was tiring, but at the same time, you know, we, we enjoyed it. And, you know, it gave the boys a lot of experience and, unfortunately, we just couldn't take the hurt from from that game into the, the league and, you know, getting ourselves over the line, it was just a bit bit too far for us. So, yeah, yeah good, good memories, but also, you know, disappointed at the same time. Yeah, and then you mentioned you, part-time, of course, and you went into, um, became a financial advisor as well, Conrad. Was that something that you'd sort of harboured ambitions for for quite a while or did you just think, oh, I'm just going to try my hand at this? Yeah, so I was always, um, from, from a young age, you know, I was always quite interested in kind of like investments and pensions and, protection and all that stuff so I was always quite you know sensible my, my money invested it you know in different things and I always said to my mum so my mum's right now she's an equity release specialist but she used to be a mortgage broker mortgage advisor as well and I always said to her, you know like oh like I think you know when I finish football I want to become a financial advisor she said, oh, you know it's a, it's a lot of paperwork you know you might want to maybe consider a mortgage advising you know it's a little bit less um it's a little bit less regulated or it's not regulated but it shows like it's a little, maybe a little bit easier for you to get your tone of water take your tone of water and I says right I says and then literally it got to this point I thought now nah, like I, I, I want to look at this I, like, I really want to consider doing this you know it's something I think I could see myself doing for the long term because I didn't want to just go and do something that I, I could do for the next 30 years but not enjoy yeah. and I also needed to kind of figure out that I needed to do something because I've not got many you know, I've not got great grades. I don't. I didn't want to go back to university, so I had to go and do a do a role that I could learn on the job and get my exams and stuff like that. So, you know, luckily for me, I got put in touch with a couple of good people that put me in touch with St James's Place, who I ended up kind of getting accepted onto the academy. And then, you know, fast forward, you know, a year and a half, two years, I'm now, you know, year in my business, and you know, couldn't look back and couldn't think of anything better, and probably wish I'd probably done it sooner. Yeah. 
And, and, and looking back to the football side of things, of course, there's no football for you guys at, at the moment. In terms of training and all that sort of stuff, how, how, how are you sort of managing to do that? No, so we're all on, um, we're, obviously we're on furlough, so the club yeah. have been quite good, you know, they've not given us any any stuff because, again, you know, it's against the regulations and, yeah. you know, fair enough, you know, the club's got to look after themselves and uh, all players are probably going to look after themselves as well, so it's not like we're going to go back horrendously unfit. Yeah. I took a, I, I'm not going to lie, I took a good couple of months off um, just to kind of get myself back to 100%, you know, I was really, really tired. I'd played a lot of games over the last couple of years for being part-time and you know, building up my business, it was tiring work and yeah. stuff like that. So I needed to make sure that I properly rested and, you know, I'm, I'm now back into it. I'm back in the swing of things, you know, getting my fitness going. And, but, you know, I don't know when we're going to start pre-season. But, yeah, the club's, you know, the club's been good because they've not, you know, made us do anything. And I think that's important because with the way the economy is and the way that HMRC are probably going to come down on clubs, you know, it's important for them. Yeah. to be seen not to do things and you know they've not and it's been good like that yeah yeah definitely and to your former clubs of course Conrad uh, the, the big talking point I think in Scottish football this summer is with the, the sort of unfair relegations what do you make of that I mean especially Thistles it just seems just bonkers how they, how they could have relegated them without having played the, the same number of games it just seems madness uh, yeah so I, I'm going to I want to kind of watch what I'm saying here because I, I know people have got different opinions. So my opinion was Thistle, you know, Hearts have been terrible all year. And I think if, if anyone disagrees with that, then they're deluded. So whether or not it's the right thing to do to relegate them, who knows? I mean, the league was finished. I mean, the, all the clubs voted for it. So, you know, you've got to go with the majority. But I just, I think I was at Thistle, we were bottom at the split and we managed to get out of it. Yeah. So, you know, it can happen. But I also think, you know, probably the worst one was the Thistle one, is that, you know, being a uh, game uh, game in hand and two points behind Queen of South is just madness. Like, yeah. if anyone should be feeling, you know, hard done by it, it's them. And also, I also think Falkirk should be feeling hard done by it. Yeah. I mean, I've see seen the Wraith boys, you know, giving it large on Twitter, and I just think, you know, it's embarrassing, you know. Yeah. You, you, he's won the league by, not default, I mean, he's, it's difficult because the league was, they, they were top of the league at that time. But I just think I wouldn't be celebrating winning a league if it's been cut short by eight games. I'd be happy and I'd be delighted because I'd get my win bonus, I'd get my, my, <laughs> my promotion bonus and I'd be playing in the league above me. But I wouldn't be going out there saying deserved champions, etc., etc. I mean, that's, for me, I just don't think that's right. Yeah. Um, I mean, they might think they deserved it. Who knows? You know, they might have went and won it. Absolutely, but you know, Falkirk probably thought they would have went on and won it, so yeah. no one knows. But again, I just think the easiest thing for everyone to have done was reconstruct the leagues. Yeah. Um, at the same, at, at the very beginning, I said at the very beginning, put a 14 10 10 10 structure in place and focus on that and get things moving and kind of bridge, uh, kind of pull out the pull out the problems in the in the um, reconstruction talks and kind of amend them. And, you know, they were coming in, it was every other week they were coming in with, you know, different leagues, different, you know, teams. And I just thought, like, no one's ever going to agree to that. Like, in football, it's just stupid. Go for the most basic one, the one that's going to cover everyone, the one that's going to sort everyone out and try and work around it and sort it out and give yourselves time to do that. So, you know, as much as I think, 
you know, it's wrong that they didn't reconstruct it. But sometimes I think, you know, they should have just done that at the very beginning and they might, might have been able to get it pushed through. Yeah. But, you know, if, if it was me as a player, and you want my playing opinion, I think this, I think a Scottish league of an 18-team top, 18 top league would be incredible with a, whatever is left in the next league below that. And I just think because it would benefit, you know, the majority of teams would be able to play younger players. Um, you'd have less old firm. I know, like it's all about money. And less old firm games means less um, less revenue for the clubs. But I always thought, you know, if a club wants to kind of challenge for the league, playing the old firm four times instead of what is it uh, eight times is going to be massively beneficial for them. Yeah. Because you can get points on other teams and you can be closer like a Leicester did. So, yeah. and I know well, I mean, it's never going to happen because it's all, it is all to do with money and that's it. But as a player, I would have loved to have played in an 18 team setup and, you know, played home and away and then, you know, tried to get bigger European places or whatever it was. I don't know, do something to do that. And then it also gives the, the smaller teams in the leagues below a chance to potentially get into the top league. Yeah. So that's why I'm not on the board. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you make some valid points. They certainly need to do something to sort of revitalise the, the Scottish football because it's it's been in the doldrums for too long now. And I think this summer was that they won't find a better opportunity to, to revamp the leagues and, and they failed to do so. So God knows when yeah. or when they'll be able to do it. Um, it's just it's a sad state of affairs. I think I think it's just as well with the, the Kelly and Brewer thing. You yeah. Know, I understand, you know, Brecon had the chance to stay in with the playoffs, but at the same time, if you're finishing bottom of a 42-team setup, you either deserve to go down, or some, or I don't know. It just doesn't sit right with me. I, I don't know. Everyone kind of talks about, you know, the boy being on the SPFL board. I don't know if that's got anything to do with it, but I also think, you know, they, the Kelly and Brewer both had to have a chance of getting up, whether or not it was just a one-off playoff game in the next couple of weeks or whatever, just before the season started and just replace the team with whoever it was. So I don't, I don't know. It's, it's one of these ones. There's obviously got valid reasons for it. So Yeah. It doesn't make good, good reading for Scottish football, that's for sure. Um, before we finish up, Conrad, I was going to ask, um, of course you want to keep playing for now, but have you got any sort of aspirations to be a coach once you, once you finish your, your playing career at all? Yeah, <laughs> no. Once uh, once I've finished my football, so I've, you know, I'm 29 now and I'm probably going to play until maybe 32, 33 at a push. I've kind of got it in my mind that's probably going to be when I'm going to be because I'll, you know, that'll be my business up and running for maybe five, six years in. So, you know, I'll probably be thinking that it'd be time to, you know, take a step back from the football and, you know, focus on the business more. Not that I'll not be focused on it, but I'll probably be too busy that I'll not be able to do the whole football thing. Yeah. And I think once once I watch, once I stop football, I'll just want to stay away from it. I don't think I want to go back. Coaching has never really appealed to me. Yeah. I'd maybe come in and do the odd training session, or maybe I don't know, come in as a you know help the club out, you know, commercially or something like that. You know, I, I quite fancy doing that. Maybe helping the club out, kind of in the board, and you know, bringing in sponsorships and stuff like that. That'd be quite interesting. But um, it's coaching, yeah, not not for me. Yeah, <laughs> magic. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, Conrad. Thank you very much for, for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you very much for having me. Hopefully uh, the wee man didn't spoil too much of that. <laughs>
see you're you. You're the start of the show. <laughs> That was episode 61 of the Talking Football Podcast with Conrad Balatoni. I hope you enjoyed it as always. Remember, if you want to listen to any previous shows, you can catch them all on the likes of Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Podbean and iHeartRadio. Be sure to subscribe to the Talking Football website for a whole loads of great content on there. It's just talkingfootball.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at Talking underscore football and we're on Facebook as well. I hope you can join me again next week but until then keep safe and bye for now